Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This episode is powered by DEN certifications. You want to deepen your practice or supplement your knowledge for your day-to-day job? You'd be surprised to know how many certifications we do offer. All levels of Reiki, intuitive healing, compassion, animal communications, and of course, our deep 400-hour meditation teacher training program. Go to denmeditation.com and look under certifications for more information. so excited about this guest today. This is Rose Theodora, who's an amazing astrologer. And the reason I love her so much is she knows how to read a chart like it's nobody's business. She gets into details and dynamics that you wouldn't even think matter and just totally understands who a human being is by their chart in a way I've never seen before. So we get into that conversation a lot, the nuances of reading a chart, the responsibilities of reading a chart, which I think is really fascinating because so many of us now are like, I want my chart read and you don't realize how important it is on the other side of the responsibility of the person who's reading it and what they should be telling you and what they should be reading into and how they should be translating it. So it's pretty awesome. We also talk about if Trump's going to be president or not, <laughs> which I love that conversation, and a million other things. She's really fascinating. She's really interesting. I also love the fact that she's just a reminder that you do not have to do a traditional path in your life at all. You can really do what works for you and you can make a living at it too. So it's not just like, oh, I'm going to travel and have no money and be poor. Like You can figure out what it is that works for you and make it work. And so I love that reminder as the whole thing as well. So whether you need that or you want to dig astrology and you want to know more, this is going to be an amazing episode for you. I hope you like it. Oh, and if you are into it, which I know you will be, she actually lives in Madrid. She's never here, but she is coming to the States and she's going to be in LA for like a day. And we've got her. We've got her coming to Den Meditation on October 22nd. That is a Tuesday night at the La Brea location. So get your reservation now because she's going to do an amazing workshop on your natal chart on how to understand it and ways to look at it that you probably haven't even thought of before. So again, Tuesday, October 22nd, we've got Rose here. And again, she doesn't live here, so you're not going to be able to find her again. This is your one chance. Hope to see you there. I think Trump is going to win. Like, I think Trump will be our president for another four years. Really? And then some- he's going to be real. Okay. I think so. What did the stars say? You should tell me. I think he's going to be real. Say- Ooh, the stars say no, but let's see. 
Oh, God bless. I hope they're right. I would love nothing more than to be wrong on this one. Like, it would be a relief to be wrong on this, actually. Um, his, all of his planets are literally like of the old paradigm, and Marianne is the new one. She aligns with the eclipses. She aligns with Jupiter next year, which is in Capricorn, which is her moon sign. She's a Cancer with moon in Capricorn. So everything, for me, seems like it's moving in that direction. I think no matter what, I mean, we might as well just start here. We're, so we're talking about Trump. <laughs> we're talking about the stars. And I said, I unfortunately feel like he's probably going to get elected again. And she says the stars seem like he, he won't. And I'm praying and hoping that's correct. Um, but it's interesting because I feel no matter what for Marianne, she's building momentum regardless. Like I said, regardless if she ends up in the White House, I think her voice is going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And we need that. Yep. Come but... Through. How, um, how is Madrid? So you're all the way over in Madrid. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hot. And as you know, I haven't started speaking the language yet. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's fun. Do you not speak uh, at all? I speak a little bit, but not so much. I mean, not as much as I should. But uh, other than that, it's, it's fun. I enjoy being here. I enjoy Spain so much. The rhythm, I lifestyle. I know, you used to live here, right? I spent, I lived there for a year. I also lost my virginity there. Does that count? <laughs> In Barcelona, no? No, I lost, I was, I've been there a bunch of times. So it was my first summer. I spent a summer there in, and I was like 16 and I, I was in the South of Spain. So in like, where were we? It was a random night. So I was living in Cadiz, but that's not where I lost, that was not where I lost it. <laughs> I didn't know yes, that. For the summer with the most amazing family. Um, and then met someone and then ended up come. That's why I think I spent the year there later. I came back and spent a whole year there because I loved it so much, but then I was in Madrid. Got it. Okay. Madrid. Madrid. But yeah, yeah. But I love, I love Spain. You're, I'm so jealous. I love it. And now I'm surrounded by monasteries too. So I feel, yeah. Did you see the bells all day? The bells and, and it feels so powerful. You know, it feels like there's, there's other things happening different from from as we know in the states it's just you can feel the power you know that's amazing so i'm so happy to talk to you and i feel like it's so important for us to talk to you for our listeners as well because i think everyone's always so curious about astrology and i'm probably so many people now as you know it's become very mainstream so most people have gone to astrologers and gotten something read but you've been literally somehow attached or studying or part of this for almost most of your life, correct? Mm -hmm. Which I think is amazing because again, I do feel like there's something now where there's a bunch of people who can be like, oh, I know how to read your chart. Similar to, you know, you want to get your palm read, you can literally pull something up on the internet now and it'll tell you how to read your palm. So then, right. (laughs) So then everybody feels like they're a palm reader and they could read your palm and someone else's palm. Do you feel like that's happening with astrology too? Now, now that you can go to any website and put in your date of birth, and it gives you a whole reading. What do you think's the danger of that? Or do you think that's a great thing? Oh, my first instinct too. And, and I've had so much um, back and forth with this. I think it's a bad thing in that it's like anything. Information is always circulated and it becomes diluted and people are pulling pieces of it. Where are the origins of that? Where is it coming from? You know, how are people reading it? Is it through their experience? Are they reading what the app says? And especially with astrology, you have to bring everything together. You can't dissect it. Sure, you can talk about your sun sign and what's going to happen. But if you start using it only as predictive astrology or you start deducing it, 
then it becomes like almost like racial profiling. It's like that person's a sign and that person has that sign and oh, that's going to happen to you this year. In that way, it's negative. Huh. Astrology has always had such an up and down history since humans have existed, you know, and it's always been, um, it's had a surge and certain people have had that wisdom. It's gone underground. It's come back up. It's been illegal. It's had a resurgence. Um, and so now I feel like everyone is getting, it's having that, that second resurgence where everyone's getting a little piece of it mixed with everything else. And it is becoming so diluted in a sense. So that makes me sad. Yeah. But I think it's good that people are open to believing in it. But now what are you doing with that information? Are you calling yourself an astrologer? Are you telling people what to do? You know, are you using it as fortune telling? Like what is happening now with that? So talk about the difference of fortune telling with astrology versus deriving information from it. Good one. Um, fortune telling is when you are using your intuition. I mean, it depends on who's, who's using it as fortune telling. But if you're looking at predictive astrology, you really have to know the basics if you're going to make those assumptions, which starts in Hellenistic astrology and medieval astrology using the, um, the lots. And that's a whole system. So if you're just using it generally to, to predict someone's life, you know, how accurate first is it going to be? And second of all, who's listening to you? And, and my thing with astrology is I just wish everyone would use discernment, people getting readings and people giving readings. You know? And, and what, what do you mean by discernment? Not like the definition of discernment, but within astrology, oh. like what is being discerning? Right. It's okay. This person's giving me information. Does it resonate with me? Am I going to use it to, to employ fear and to be more fearful? Or am I just going to take this as knowledge and see how I can utilize it in my life? That's positive predictive astrology, I think. So there's a fine line between what is fortune telling and who's the reader who's using, using fortune telling, right? So the reader is really important, which I think, obviously, and you're an amazing reader. Um, mm -hmm. But it is really important who's reading it, right? Because you're saying some people can go to just the basics of this planet means this or blah, blah, blah. But is, there's a nuance to telling the story, correct? Ooh, it has a huge history. I mean, Hellenistic astrology started in, like, it's, it's 2,500 years old. That's when predictive astrology was originated. And then if you look at the Arabic lots, it's like there's a whole system to that that people still use. So who's becoming a charlatan and who actually has that knowledge? Then there's a whole other category of people who are very intuitive. And when you're always reading astrology, you become intuitive. And you have to rely on some instinct during your process of reading for anyone anyway. So it's a fine line of what predictive astrology is and where discernment comes in. Right. right. So I think it, the person receiving the reading and the person giving the reading, how much to tell, what strategy am I using as the reader? And, and am I advising the person that, you know, that's getting the reading too to be discerning, to take what they want. Right? How do you decide, like, what, how do you, I'm now I'm curious, what's your strategy <laughs> with different people? Like, how do you know? Are you like, well, that person's stubborn, so I need to use this strategy, or that person's going through a tough time, so it's better to have this strategy? Like, how, how do you strategize how to give the information? That's a good question, too. I think it depends on what the person's going through, and everything that you predict or that you see using transits or predictive astrology is going to land somewhere. It's going to have a result. So it depends on how that person is going to take that result. For example, you. 
I might tell you, look, you've got some changes. You're going to be changing career. You might not want a family anymore. Like I could list these things. <laughs> you, you would take that in a very light way. You know, you would say, all right, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. I can handle that. I like change. Right. right. You're in Aries. You're, you're mixed with everything else in your chart. You take change very well because you're a cardinal sign. So you like to initiate that. And your rising sign is Gemini. So it's, it's mutable. Other people might say, oh, I don't, I don't do change well. I can't handle that. So you have to read like how they're made and, and what they're willing. You have to have a sensitivity. So with someone who you could tell whatever their signs are that they're probably not going to react well to change. How would you kind of give that information of like next year is going to blow up for you? <laughs> also the word change, people think, oh, that's bad, right? You would think change is good. Yeah. I like. I don't mind change. Right. But that's yeah. a mutual sign. That's like, uh, Gemini, Sagittarius, Aries, Capricorn, people who are cardinal and mutable signs are going to be more open to change. Whereas fixed signs like Taurus, Scorpio, depending on how much they have of that, are going to say, oh, I don't like change. I've worked hard to get to where I am. I like things to be in my control. I like to know where I'm going. I like to, to know that the steps that I'm taking are going in this direction. So you have to weigh that as a reader. Hey guys, I want to talk about a Den Talks Live. We have Shaman Jura coming back, but this time we have him live and it is for his book launch. How exciting is that? He's coming out with Spirit Hacking. You're going to want this book and you're going to want it signed by him and you're going to want to ask him a ton of questions and this is the best place to do it. So make sure you go to dentalkspodcast.com, go to Den Talks Live events and reserve your space, reserve your ticket. Again, it's October 19th, 7 p.m. at La Brea. See you there. So I've... I, so talking about kind of how you deliver information and reading people's signs, has there, and then I want to kind of go back and talk about the basics a little bit, but have you ever, um, like, do you get reactions when you read someone's chart? Cause you do so much chart first before you actually get on the phone and talk to them. Right. So you kind of already have an idea. It's not like you're doing it on the spot. Right. No, no, but I, right. I have done readings on the spot depending on what I'm doing, but for most of my clients, I'll have their chart prepared, which is the natal chart then a progress chart, which is the evolutionary chart of that person, and then the transit chart. So when I sit with them on the phone, I have some idea about who they are and what they're going through. Um, but I'm open to having a dialogue with the person because it's always the spirit or the soul that infuses the chart. So someone right. with the exact same chart is going to be in a completely different place in their life. So um, yeah, so I do sit down knowing the person a little bit before the reading. Are you ever really surprised? Like when you get on the phone with someone, are you ever like, oh my God, I wasn't expecting that? Or have you ever seen a chart and just been so excited to talk to someone because there's something about that chart that excites you? Like, yeah. does it speak to you that way too? Totally. All of the I above. I, I know sometimes I've thought, wow, this person is so incredible. Like they have so many gifts there. And I, I tend to see things in a positive light. So I'm like, this person is going to be incredible. They have all these gifts. They, they have the gift for somatic healing. And I can see all of these like spiritual gifts. And I talk to them and they're like, yeah, I get some healing done. And they're not using any of their gifts. And I'm like, oh my God, you, you have so much going on here. Like you have like a gold mine that you're not using. That's disappointing. Um, How often do you feel like through a reading you can get people there? Like you can get them to see their potential as well. Oh, I, I feel like that happens with me a lot when I'll see the person's potential and I'll tell them things like, I see you writing. I see you, I had one client and I said, I see you writing a book in a year. I see you doing 
these particular things. She's a doctor. She's an OBGYN. And she said, no way. She's like, I'm, a, I'm even dyslexic. Like, I just don't see it. <laughs> she's I like, have, that sounds like a miserable year. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I just don't see it. That would be cool. I just don't see it at all. Or I've had, um, and by the way, she's now writing a book. So a year later. So I've had people come back a year later and say, I just wasn't in the headspace. And you were way ahead of me seeing where I was even at. I didn't realize it, you know? That's pretty cool. That happens a lot where people come back and they're like, whoa, how do you, how, and then they're intrigued. Like, well, how, how is, how is this happening? And then they want to understand astrology. So talk to me about how you even got into it. Like where are you, like what kind of kid were you? <laughs> um, were you always a kid with your head in the stars or? Yeah, I think very much. I was super dramatic, like always wanting to like, <laughs> Engage with people, totally. Um, <laughs> to engage with, even when I see her chart, I feel that. Um, but always wanting to engage with people. Like even when my mother would take me to the dentist or to someone, I'd be like, well, who are you? Why are you studying that? What were you doing? Like outgoing, but, but also receptive to people. I was so curious about people. Um, and always involved in some kind of like research or curious about the stars because of my upbringing. Yeah, talk about your upbringing, because you had people involved in NASA in your family, right? Which I love. Yeah, definitely. On my paternal uh, side, I have, uh, my grandparents were divorced and remarried, and each of my grandfathers was a scientist for NASA. Oh, wow. Yeah, so one invented the, uh, the, the coating on the visor for the, um, that protects your light, or That's protects amazing. your eyes from the light. Yeah. Um, and another one was a quantum physicist. So. I already had that exposure to what's happening and, and, and an understanding of science because if you grow up with that. Um, and then my grandparents were also Unitarian ministers. So I had this mix of spirituality and, and meditating and this exposure to science. And certainly, yeah. No, go ahead. You were saying and, and nothing too mystical. Like my mother, and when I say mystical, I, I guess I mean more like granola in a sense I didn't have a lot of exposure to that you know um, but I think with that unique combination and my grandparents were even into astrology so they were they had they were they studied it a little bit they didn't know a lot but they had books and so I would get exposure that way as a kid like okay what's that book what's going on what's astrology about you so know? in their like what would be their version of telling you about astrology like what did you learn from them yeah, astrology is, they had kind of like an esoteric spin on it a little bit, but astrology is an archetype. It's how we express ourselves. We each have a path and this is how, you know, they're explaining huh. it to a child. So it's a path and this is the path that we go down. And if you know yourself, then you, and you see yourself under this umbrella of astrology, you know yourself better. That was how they prefaced it with very simple words. Do you feel that way too? Because I actually really like that, that way of explaining it a little bit, which is astrology will just help you know yourself better. It doesn't tell you exactly who you are, like kind of a little bit what you were saying of how you discern it. It's like if someone just wants to read to be like, oh, I guess that's what I'm supposed to be or who I'm supposed to be or where I'm supposed to go versus why don't you look at it as filling yourself out and like helping fill in some of the missing pieces that you might not quite be able to like put together about yourself. Right. I don't know. How would you look at it? Exactly like that. Are you familiar with the, the term prima matera? No. It's the, 
idea that everything is sort of dispersed, like we are all this, this matter and everything is sort of fragmented. So whether you look at it through a scientific lens or a theoretical lens that everything is dispersed into parts. If you think about the big bang, you know, if you believe in that and everything is dispersing, well, then if you look at an astrology chart, all of those pieces are elements. All of those pieces are metals. All of those pieces are fragments of the universe, which is us. So that's the way I look at it is if we can kind of piece these together in a geometric, in a geometric configuration, yeah. the chart, then you have wholeness, then you have the person. So and I love that because, you know, we talk about this a lot that we are all one and people are like, what the hell does that mean? And it's exactly what you were just saying. We're parts of the same matter. We're parts of the same energy. So if you take your chart and you put all those pieces together and it forms one, but if you take it apart again, you realize that all those pieces are also in other people's charts. Exactly. Which we I love. Have, totally. We all have the 12 zodiac signs. Every so it's like those cool like kids toys that like you can put together a million different ways. We're like a Rubik's Cube, right? Exactly. Everyone has a different configuration. Some planets are visible to us when we're born. Some are hidden. Um, Some are in a tense aspect to one another. But some people are more influenced by certain planets than others. So it's all about a configuration. And like, I always think of astrology as reassembling those pieces to become whole again. So I have a weird question. And... You know, I know like it's with the Dalai Lama, right? Like when they, when he passes, they always look for the next one, like how he's reincarnate, right? Or, and so they look at the, the year and the birth. So like that, it's almost as if they come in at the same, with the same aspects every time. Yeah. And, which I think and fascinating. Completely. And you see it in the chart. It's like nothing is separate. Again, it's like everything is a continuum. You can see a pre-birth chart in the womb three months before you born, you're born. You have a prenatal chart, which is you unconditioned by the world, right? But how do they know that? Because how do you ever really know when someone's going to be born? Well, then you, it's, a, it's an early cycle. So when someone is born, so in, in Buddhism, how they find the next Dalai Lama is uh, they have their own methods, of course. Um, but the, the little that I know is that when you pass in the next life, your sun sign, so you're an Aries now, in your next life, your moon sign will be Aries. And then what about the life after that? Back and to the sun? The, then the sun sign, wherever you, whatever you die, like in this life, whatever date you die, is your next incarnation sun sign. So it is a cycle. Ah. Right. And then the nodal placements too, which have to do with the eclipse before you're born, also show a thread of your lifetimes. So whatever liminal space is wherever you incarnated from, they're woven into, let's use the word karmic thread, but I mean karmic in a different way than other people think of it. Right. Moving through the charts, pre-birth, death. So you're telling me you could do a chart on me that could clue you into my charts from past lives. Correct. Or at least your last incarnation. And and I think um, in Indian astrology too, and and. I see they use a different system that I don't practice, but yes, you can look at the, the previous incarnation, the pre-birth chart, and then once you die, you can look at that chart. Wow. So here's my question too. So on these days that we talk a lot about, like in meditation and astrology, like whether it be like a double moon eclipse, blah, 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 like one of those, if someone is born in that moment, is there something like really special about their chart? Does it does something change? Like so if let's say you're like at 832 is the biggest eclipse of the year in the morning and someone's born at literally 8:32 on that eclipse like what does that usually signify massive 
So imagine that, that the planets move with planetary resonance. There's this magnet, magnetic resonance that everything in our universe moves through. That's how it's interacting. So those planetary, the planetary, um, the resonance forms a meridian in our body. So when we have an eclipse, the sun, the moon, and the earth are in complete 180 degree alignment. That is a huge magnetic force, a meridian moving through that person's body. So every major eclipse, mostly in history, and you can look on NASA's website, they're called the Sorrow Cycle. You can see every eclipse on record where it originated. You can look up like the historical events that have happened on that day. And so if a person's born on a particular eclipse, right before or right after, that person has a certain magnetism in a really intense way. And by that, I mean, if a person is born on a solar eclipse, when the sun and the moon are together on one side of the earth, that person is said to be com born completely whole. Oh, nice. And they're, they yeah, they have a feeling of being, they're not searching for that other light, that consciousness. But there's also, they're very naive and they have such a power, such a magnetism that they can even, depending on where their soul consciousness is, they could have a huge effect in the world. It could even be really destructive. I think, ah. um, I think the uh, Emperor Nero was born on a solar eclipse. So it's always a premonition that something big is going to happen. And the same as a lunar eclipse. I know that Princess Diana died on a lunar eclipse. 9-11 happened on a lunar eclipse. So people born on a lunar eclipse um, have quite an intense life. It's like the sun and the moon are on both sides of the earth. That person has subconscious awareness and conscious awareness that aren't always coming together. And that person can have just a sensitivity to the world. They can be... Uh, you know, very, they want to be of service to the world. They're trying to become whole and there can be um, so like a sadness within them too. So they have a more dramatic life thing. And I always think of um, like a tidal wave. I think of a tsunami, people born on a solar eclipse. It's like when that tsunami is rushing forward with everything and the lunar eclipse yeah. is when, when it moved towards the shore and now it's coming back and it's about to move forward. That's the, the difference in those solar and lunar eclipse. So it That's, certainly affects people. I was born right after a solar eclipse. By you were? Mm -hmm. well, that makes sense. You're intense in all the great ways. Um, how do people, because you were talking about getting your chart read kind of before you're born too. Do right. people now, let's talk about like planned C-sections. Sure. It is when you come out. It's not when you were supposed to come out, correct? So your chart will be about when you first enter come the world. In. Exactly. So, when you come into the earth, it's like, that's your rising sign. That's the time you were born. So how many, have you felt or have you been aware of, are there anybody who's planning C-sections around wanting certain aspects for their child? Mm -hmm. Susan Miller, an American astrologer. I don't know. Oh, if yeah. You know, yeah. She plans, I don't know if she had a C-section, but she planned her daughter's birth. So she would be a Pisces like her. And I'll leave it there. <laughs> She wanted to have the same sign that she was. So yeah, people, I think, plan it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Or does anyone ever come to you and they're like, okay, I'm due in the month of blank. Tell me what day and what time would be the best time to have this child. Yes. But not based on their chart, based on like to produce the best version of a child in their mind. Theoretical charts. Yes. And, and that's why I say in their mind, because we all know it's like... 
And this gets a little, it's ethical, right? It's like, well, what do you want? That's kind of why I'm asking the question. Right. That's what I mean in their mind is like, what, what are you looking for that you're trying to produce? Well, also, what, what do you, and what do you think is correct? It's like, you might say, I want, you might think you want something. Like, I want this child that's going to be right. really energetic. And you get this, this child who just can't relax for a second. How do you know what's right, right. I like when things are natural. I that's agree. My personal, that's my personal belief, you know. But I have had people, uh, clients ask me that. Yeah, when, when should I have the C-section? Or when should I, um, yeah. Well, what... I know I, f- I find it too when people are trying to have a boy or a girl now with so much fertility, you can actually really control that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, but what do you want from that boy or what do you want from that girl? Because you might not get it. Like you have in your mind a reason why you want a boy and a girl, but that doesn't mean that's what it's going to look like. Completely. And, and I see this all the time. Even if you're adopting someone, if you're adopting a child, they're usually a fit for you. There's a reason you've cosmically come together. And I, I do a lot of work with genetic charts too. Seeing like twins charts are incredible. Identical twins charts is a whole other level. What, when, what, that's actually really, that's interesting. That's a great question because they're really, their charts are only off usually by minutes, which sometimes could make it the same chart, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and what happens with what I find with those charts is that the dominant twin, the twin usually born first, takes the qualities they want. And it, is it conscious? No, they just fall into a certain expression, self-expression. And then the other twin gets the rest of the charts. If um, in their age or growing, the other dominant twin says, well, I want to switch. I want to evolve. I want to move into these other planetary expressions. The other twin switches. So you'll notice, I don't know if you have friends huh. with twins, but Lots. you notice the parents are always like, he's the quiet one. She's the, she's the, they always have these opposites mind stereotypes for them but they're concentrated versions of one astrology chart imagine if you had to share you don't have as much freedom it's like if you had to share your natal chart with another person that's interesting so it really is you're sharing it so you can't both be whole on it yeah and the other person is a part of you and when they switch or when they adapt or when they alter it affects it's like you're working together one transit might affect one twin more than the other but a lot of twins tend to have either very opposed lives, like one gets married, one single, or they're having babies at the same time. They're doing everything. That is so true, actually. I feel like all my friends, twins that are older, it's actually very different. They're like right. best friends, but they live very different lives. Like one's the married one with the traditional life, one went the like not traditional way, you know, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Now there's so many twins because they're not all, most of them aren't identical anymore because they're pretty much through fertility, a lot of right. them is why there's so many so they're not identical but they're still obviously born within minutes mm-hmm. what's interesting now i mean this whole okay this brings up a whole nother conversation so if you're talking about that conception clearly doesn't have anything to do with it then it's all about being born because some twins let's say for instance through fertility you could have two embryos from conceived at totally different times so technically someone could be a year older in a way like it was conceived right. a year before been frozen you may might have wanted to get more and then you have two embryos, but they could be from like 10 months apart, but then they're born as twins, mm-hmm. which I find fascinating genetically because they are twins and they'll go their whole life as twins. But Absolutely. as far as an old school definition, they wouldn't be twins at all because they were conceived at different times. Right. But yeah. that doesn't affect the chart at all. The no. chart, they're twins it's, and they will be sh- probably sharing 
Right. The, the most extreme that you could go to with that is to look at the prenatal chart, which is always three months prior to the birth, which is considered like the, the untouched or the whole human before they're conditioned by the earth or by people and life and all of all. It's so interesting. Don't forget about our retreats. We always have so many and we have a cool one here because this is just a day long. So you can come in and out if you're from far away, come stay with a friend or get a hotel room and come do it for a day. Or if you live here, even better, it's going to be at the Den La Brea. It's September 28th with Heather Preet. It's a self-compassion retreat. As you know, she's amazing. She is our senior mindfulness instructor and she's incredible. So again, a self-compassion retreat day long at the Den La Brea from 11 a.m. till 9 p.m. on September 28th. If you're interested, go to denretreats.com. You can also check out some of our other retreats there as well. So we get a lot of comments from you guys about how awesome the stuff with crystals are. And I know people are just scratching the surface with it. So we've got Colleen McCann coming back. She was actually on episode 62 and the How You Can Heal Yourself panel, which was episode 68. She's incredible. And she is doing an incredible event with us. It's called Crystal Curious. It is Saturday, October 5th. It is an event from 1.30 till 4.30. It's $75. And it's an intro to like stone medicine. So everything you need to know, how you can heal with crystals, how you can build your own arsenal of crystals. You will also get some crystals, which is always fun, but you're going to learn so much. Plus, she is just a blast and will keep you laughing the entire time. So it won't feel so, so serious, but you will learn as if it's very serious. So that's what's great about it. So come have a good time. Learn a ton. This event's going to be amazing and it will sell out. So again, that's October 5th, 1.30 to 4.30. It's called Crystal curious, go to denmeditation.com and reserve your spot. So what were your parents like though? Cause your grandparents seemed super open. Were your parents, you know, open too, or were they, did they kind of fall in differently? No, I think my parent, my grandparents were open, but conservative. Oh, it, it's almost okay. like their, their vibe, they, they were well-studied. Um, very open-minded and very spiritual and my parents were rebelling against that it's like they grew up in the 60s they were uh, very into music it's like they, they they were hippies but yet they had this work ethic and um, and really I feel like I was raised by my grandparents it's like my parents were there <laughs> but they were doing their thing you know, and, and they were together until I was five. And so I always spent time with my grandparents while they were traveling or working or, so they were open-minded, but they just had different ethics. And then your parents split up when you were five? Yeah. And where did they, did they stay near each other or? So I was born in New Mexico mm -hmm. in Albuquerque. My family's from Santa Fe. When my parents split, my mother moved back to where she's from in Michigan. So I would go back and forth between these two places. So my parents were very much concerned with like their own lives. They were so young when I was born and I spent so much time with my grandparents. So then when you went back to Michigan, you were more with your mom's parents. Somewhat. And my mom. Yeah. And her. I was going to say, so after the divorce, did it change? Did your mom become more present? Yeah, Ish. she was more present. Yeah, kind of. You know, I always <laughs> felt like my grandparents really had such an influence on my life. And I would go back and forth so much between both. So I'd have my father's family and school in New Mexico and then in Michigan, always going back and forth. And what I found so fun about growing up in those two places is the exposure to Native American culture too. Well, yeah. Which is a pretty big deal in both of those places. That's interesting, actually. 
Yeah, the Hopi Indian um, in New Mexico, which my father's like has a lot of friends growing up there and was close to the culture. And then my mother um, in the States, so or in Michigan, excuse me, I'm saying yeah, yeah. in Spain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so who's around still? And you're like parents, grandparents, anyone I'm still? Cousins in both places too. So, wow. Yeah. So in Michigan, I had my mother's siblings there were three and their children and her parents and then in new mexico i had my father and his parents and his sister so did you ever i mean one of the things i love about you that i think is actually interesting to talk about is you don't live a traditional life at all um and even the way you do astrology is not traditional it's not just like i read i do charts you do a million different things with it i feel like you have a lot of passion in different ways, you know, whether it be like you've worked for different brands, whether it is doing traditional readings, um, you're just kind of all over the place in a great way. Have you ever been on a quote unquote traditional path at all? Or have you always kind of, because part of what I also love about this just for our listeners is I think people do struggle sometimes feeling against this freedom that they want and they crave, but they feel like they have to do X, Y, and Z, whether it be to be stable or to have this or that. And I always feel like it's really nice to talk to people who are living phenomenally free, great, and easy lives in the sense of like, you're not struggling every single second um, and, and you're happy doing it. Right. So I just, I would love to chat a little bit about that of A, was that a shift for you or have you always kind of been in that space? It's such a good question. Um, My parents, I think because they were so independent and I saw them both like selfishly kind of detached from what it means to be a family and pursue their own lives was empowering. But also as a kid, it's like, what are they doing? (laughs) Really? That that was my thought. Like, I kind of felt like the parent, like, what, what are they doing? So it put me into a more traditional role immediately. And and imagine growing up with your grandparents. Hmm. It's like, you're at the dinner table and you're having these intellectual conversations or are around it. So my grandfather being an ophthalmologist who then worked for NASA, um, they really believed in education. So that was always like echoed. You could feel that that was expected. My family was like that too. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I felt like, okay, it's interesting to me for me to go to school, but no one vocalized it. It was like, if I want to go to school, that's up to me. So um, when I graduated high school, not like most people who are already applying in a traditional sense to college, I was thinking, where am I going? What do I want to do? And my family's very much about you decide your fate, you decide your future. But that's huge because that is not most families, at least not in the generation we were raised in. It was usually, again, like, this is what you're supposed to do. Go do it. This is what we were told. This is what we're doing. We provided for you. We provided to get you here. So you go do this. I would say that's where most people kind of fall into that trap and they spend, whether it be their 20s through sometimes their 60s, trying to figure out how to undo that thinking. So that's kind of amazing that they were like, you figure out your fate. And I think for most people too, their parents are trying to set them up, right? Right. We don't want to worry about you. So we're trying to give you those tools. And my parents were like, I don't know, you've always been responsible your whole life. You make your own decisions. It was like always this empowering uh, mentality, but also no guidance. So for me, it was thinking, I I knew I wanted to do something in the healing arts. I knew I wanted to help people. By that, I mean, is it sociology? Is it like, I'm interested in people I always have been. So what is that? And then um, I studied massage, Reiki, like all these different modalities, but never wanted to do something with them. 
you know? I just wanted to, to study them. When I finished studying those things about two years after high school, I thought, I really need to take like some classes at, in college and see what I'm interested in. So I started taking science courses and organic chemistry and just flipping out. Like organic chemistry is so nerdy, really. It's so nerdy. I love it. But I was like, I was just flipping out. I didn't have to study that much. I just got it. It's like some people are, are I think, already have the, the inner knowing of science or chemistry or, you know, literature or whatever it is, or the arts. And I certainly have a deep respect for the arts right. too. But that I just was flipping out with like, okay, the universe is made of all of this. And so I was like, I'm going to study psychiatry. That makes sense. I'll do psychobio, I'll do neuroscience. I feel like everybody in our generation, like growing up when they were interested in something, but they couldn't pinpoint it, went to psych like psychology. Right? Yeah, I think because it was kind of like as long I, there was something about just understanding the way the brain worked that made everyone feel like they could do whatever they wanted. <laughs> yeah, that that's also like I think it's a lot of things. Yeah, but I think too that's and that can be explained by astrology. I think, or at least that generational planets like the outer planets, Pluto, Neptune, Uranus, they were going through something. They were all in these psychological signs and going through this period. So I think it's natural that we all started to, to have an interest That's interesting. how the mind works. And also Jung was so influential at this time too, right? So his work, especially now, is so influential. Like I don't know how many psychiatrists are like, I'm a union psychiatrist. You know, it's, right, it's true. so prevalent. So I think it was already circulating for sure. Um, but I wanted to be like an art therapist. <laughs> I'm like, if I study psychiatry, I can combine art. And so that, that for me was traditional in the sense that I wanted to go to medical school. And that was the most traditional part of my life. But you so didn't far. do that. No, I finished uh, pre-med and I had an art history degree from UCLA. And then I was like, I don't want to be a doctor. And I remember having a conversation with my grandfather and he was like, don't do it. Your, your life is going to be, you have to either have your own practice or work for a hospital or work for some kind of association. And your life is going to be like enslavement. If you want to explore, if you want to travel, don't do it. Do something else. So that's when. You really had amazing grandparents. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that they were just because they were always empowering you with wisdom. It's like, look it up, research it, do it, but be educated about it, you know? think about how many grandparents be like oh my god do you want to go to med school go go be a doctor be a doctor you know just the idea of being a doctor yeah. so it's incredible that the advice to you was no it won't give you what you actually want which is to travel see the world and explore and do different things yeah well pre-med they were like go for it do it but when I got to the point of am I now going to medical school no. mm -hmm. just like, so, do so you didn't go to med school so then what did you do so then I um, had my art history degree and I was figuring it out. I was like, well, I love art. I love aesthetics. I have this understanding for people. Surely I should be like an art dealer, right? And I'm living, <laughs> living in LA. So I start to work in the art world. I work at a gallery, a museum, um, an auction house. And I remember having a conversation with someone about buying a piece of art. And I told them what the artist intended with the painting per the artist's request. And the person, the client flipped out. They were like, don't tell me what I'm seeing in the art piece. Like, I, I need to have my own experience. I need to 
to feel it. Don't tell me what it is. And um, I think through that path, I was like, this is not my idea of how to connect with art at all. Meanwhile, I'm always doing astrology my entire life for people, right? Yeah. So then you left art. So I left art and just, I was like, I, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to practice astrology professionally. I'd been doing it my whole life, even while going to university, going to school. So what does that mean? Like, what would you be doing? Even as a kid, it was like doing my, my friend's astrology charts, you know, or compatibility, sinistry. <laughs> really? Um, or my friend's child, like my, my mother's child or friend's child, like looking at their chart and doing everyone around me doing their astrology chart and just trying to explore and having so much fun doing it, never thinking of doing it professionally because I associated it with something to be like the antithesis of who I wanted to be. You know, right. I didn't want to tell people what to do. First of all, I didn't want to have any authority over anyone's life. And what I mean by that is you have to be aware of what kind of information you are giving to someone. You know? But that goes back to how we started the conversation of there's an art in actually giving the information. Right. Yeah. It's probably why you like it because that's also art. <laughs> yeah, completely. And, and combining it. So I was always doing people's natal charts all the time. I mean, for the dentist, for my university professor. <laughs> and, and even while learning about art history, I'm thinking, why did the artist paint this? What sign were they? What is their astrological makeup? Like, why were they painting during this period? And is it, would you go back? Well, could you get their charts at all or no? Cause you didn't know what time, some of it, right? Some of it. And if you don't have the time, you can do a sun chart. You put the sun in their chart on the ascendant. Some people put it at the top of the chart. Um, so I was always studying astrology, no matter what. <laughs> Even, do you remember who your first paying client was? Yeah, it was this woman um, years ago who had two sets of twins. Oh my she God. Said, she was like, can you please help me with my twins? You, you were referred to me. I'm like, referred to you. I'm not even doing charts. She said, please come to my house. I'll make you lunch. Um, and I did her two sets of twins charts, the grandparents charts, she and her husband. And I ended up spending like all this time with the whole family's charts. That was fascinating. That was my first paying client. And she wrote me a huge check. I remember thinking, my God, this is so crazy. Like I wouldn't even think to do astrology for money ever, you know, in exchange for, for money ever. And then that changed your whole life. Yeah. I just, people, when people are telling you, I'm going to pay you, please do this. Yeah. 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 Even the museum that I was working for, they're like, can you do readings at, at the opening? I'm like, really? So it was kind of, I just stepped into that role because it felt so natural, you know, and I was studying now, for so long. How do you use it daily for yourself? Like, do you read your, your chart daily? Do you make decisions all the time off of it? Like what is, how much do you incorporate it for you? If I feel something first, I'll say, okay, what's going on? And as an astrologer, you always have the positions of the planets memorized. At least I do at all times. You know, when the sun is changing sign every two and a half days, you know, when Jupiter and Venus are going to make an aspect and you know what that, um, 
how that colors the experience, you know, but it can precondition you. So I try to stay away from it and just have the experience and then go back and look at it and say, okay, what was happening for me at this time? And I love to go back in time and see what happened for people and what happened for myself during these times rather than to go into the future. But that's good. So you don't use it for a predictive sense for you either. You try and stay away from that. Yeah. Unless I'm, unless I need a certain result and I want to work with the, I want to work with the natural cycle of time, then I'll plan something. If I'm giving a lecture, if I'm traveling, I might make sure that I have good aspects, but other than that, I try not to look at it so much. And explain really quickly for people who don't understand that you get a chart done and that's like everyone thinks it's, you know, when you're born, but talk about kind of the aspects and how every day you can still read what the planet, what's happening with the planets, where they are in relation to you and your specific chart. So there's constant reading you can be doing. Constant. You have your natal chart. That is the it's an imprint of the planetary positions when you're born. Anytime you go to any website, astro.com, cafe astrology, your own computer software, you are given an astrology chart so you can see what the picture of the sky is and you can have a breakdown. That's with you for life. It's like having a scroll of your trajectory for your life. Today's sky, or they're called transitory planets um, or a transit chart happens every single day. So the moon is moving every couple of hours it's changing position the sun once a day so you can always look at what is happening with your with today's chart in relationship to your natal chart but i really think if people just feel it if they feel the change and then they look at that or they consult with an astrologer it's fascinating to learn how you are adjusting to the planetary changes you know some people are more sensitive and some people are more resistant like they could be having a major transit and they're like oblivious you know? <laughs> unless something shows up in their life where some people are meaning an external event you know yeah some people feel the subtlety inside so there's this um collective response to the the sky now and then there's an individual response based on your natal chart and you're coming which i love october 22nd to the den and you're doing a whole workshop explaining basically what all this means and how people can read their charts, right? Are, should people bring their charts or are they, or just their birthdays and times? Yeah, I, I think if they can bring their natal chart, uh, it's so much easier because then I'll point out certain things on the natal chart. They don't, they'll print it out. And I think today most people know what they're looking at, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. No it's like if they come with a chart and I want to walk them through the position of their sun and moon and what that relationship looks like. And how in just that simplicity, you can understand so much about yourself, the relationship between your natal moon and natal sun. That's amazing. I love it. And you really are, you just look at this in such a broader way. I mean, talk a little bit about how, because you even think it's your choices of food, the clothes you wear, the, your favorite colors all have something to do with all of this, which most astrologers are not talking to you about. No, and it's so Oh, funny, because my understanding of aesthetics digested through the chart or the fact that we all have a preference. Why wouldn't we? Because if you think about um, how the planets all have uh, that resonance, that magnetic field, each planet has a note. Each planet emits a type of light and interaction with our planet. So depending on the arrangement, it's going to condition you in some way to have a preference. So everybody has a certain 
like you said, a, a note preference, a sound preference. They like particular music, um, a color, and a food. Some astrologers don't use it because they don't remember or they don't know the basis of astrology, you know, which was used for those types of purposes. If you look at medical astrology, Hellenistic astrology, right. um, Indian astrology, Vedic astrology is all about that. So, yeah. What was, sorry, what was your exact question? No, so, so no, but give an example then how you, well, you were just talking about it, how you feel like one actually is connected to the other. Like, so for me, or I mean, you can use me or you use you, how would you think it would actually affect people's aesthetic or people's choices? Right. So Venus has a lot to do with aesthetic. So does the, the rising sign. So it's, and the moon, it, it's so many different things depending on what you're looking at. Are you looking at color for the person? Are you looking at food for the person? It's all about that correlation. So, um, excuse me, much of how I, I look at about, about aesthetics and people's preferences have to do with their sun sign. If I don't know them personally, if I know them personally, I can go so deep with the different relationships between those. So it's- So you could kind of almost look at someone's chart and probably if they're decorating their house according to their likes, if they're actually in touch with themselves, you could probably get an idea of like what it's gonna look like. Yeah, it's funny you bring it up. I have one client, really, and I was looking at her chart and it just, I was looking at the fourth house, which is the home and the way you decorate. And she had this configuration there. And I said, do you, do you have a turquoise sofa? Like, How do you know? <laughs> I have, like, what are the chances of someone having a turquoise sofa? Really? But so, how did you, what did you see in the chart? There are certain signs that are associated with certain colors. And it was the, it had something to do with Venus and Neptune um, in Gemini or something. And I just knew that that was the formula for that color. So it, it's, um, it's practicing it. It's knowing the client, it's knowing what sounds like the basic formula and then applying it to individuals. Um, and also the transiting planets. Like you can look at cycles and history according to Neptune and according to Uranus, you can look at fashion trends. Um, amazing. Benjamin Moore paint, um, really Pantone colors of the year. Yeah. Um, they're all based on trends. So it's trend forecasting, but it's very specific when the planets, especially the outer planets are in a particular sign because it's like adding two notes together, you know, or adding two colors together and it creates a certain trend. So can you get a sense of like what the next color of the year is going to be? Yeah. Um, like right now we have so many feminine colors, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think about all the textures and fabrics, like if, if you look not at your personal style, but if you look at the collective style and how everyone right now is wearing so many floral patterns, right? Yeah. And they're wearing some colors that are like seventies. If you think about, um, just even three years ago, the seventies started to come back. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the relationship between Jupiter being in Libra, and then you look at Neptune, how it's currently in Pisces. These two signs are ethereal and super feminine. And Pisces is about not having any boundaries. So is the planet Neptune. It's about being so open to everything and receptive. And um, so it's about having all kinds of patterns and all colors together and all aesthetics. It's like right now we even have Victorian style, 1970s. Like if you look at all yeah. the different styles, everything is a mishmash right now. 
I know. Like, I, I wouldn't say there's one, and even the 80s is having a resurgence. Yeah, I was right? going to say it's 80s now too. Yeah, for sure. And even 90s, the 90s jeans are in. I can't quite figure that out. And all these like young kids are wearing them. I'm like, oh my God, we looked horrible in those back then. And you still right. look horrible in them now. And you're going to realize that when you look at pictures in eight years. Completely. So, <laughs> so, so if you look at Neptune and Pisces, it's just a, a collection of everything. So it's, um, it denotes the, the trends too, musical trends, food trends. Like, why is everyone so health conscious right now? Why are most people right. vegan? Those are all, those all have to do with the outer planets. So there's a collective uh, trend according to the outer planets. And then there's an individual personalization of that. It's like, how are you specifically, are you going to be part of that trend? Or that's based on your individual chart. So before you like date someone, do you get read their chart or do you just go with the flow? Depends. <laughs> um, when I first? Yeah. I won't look at it at all because I want to feel, I want to right. see if I'm connecting with that person. Then I'll go and I'll look in depth at it for sure. And my friends are always calling me too. What, what, what about this guy? You haven't even gone out with him yet. Have you yeah. ever, have you ever been like, do not like you've read someone's chart, you've read their partner's chart or whoever they're dating. And you're like, please exit left right now. Like ever. Completely. Don't go down that road. <laughs> Don't do it. And they, but they don't care. It's like if people want to do something, they will do it. Yeah. Very, very often are people like, oh, okay. I'll take that warning, you know? Right. That's so funny. Oh my God. I've, I love talking to you. Let's do your four years. Hold on one second. Let sure. me. And for you guys, just to, you got to experience her brilliance. So come October 22nd, you really are one of, it's, you are a reader in a very different way. And I think people probably have gotten that. You just, look, the fact that you knew there was a turquoise sofa is incredible because you really, you know, every detail of what's happening up there and what it means. And like, I think how we started this conversation, you also know how to read people. So when you combine it, you actually get readings that really benefit and help people. It's, it's great. What is your favorite self-care hack? Mm, make your own stuff. Do, make your own uh, deep conditioner, make your own mask, make your own bath, do everything you can using natural ingredients. I do it for everything. You do? Yeah, for everything. How do you make your own conditioner? I'll take yogurt. I'll take, well, well, for conditioner, no, but a deep hair mask, I'll take conditioner, a yogurt, egg white, and I'll make my own hair mask. Or a By the way, her hair is amazing, so I'm curious. <laughs> or a scrub every day. I'll take like coconut oil and, uh, and sea salt and like crushed roses. I'm always making stuff almost every day. I think people should. Do you make stuff for your boyfriend? I do. I'm like, I made this, uh, I made this bath salt. Do you want some? He's like, maybe. I'll just leave does it ever, I was going to say, does he use it? Sometimes. I'll leave it in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? Uh, I stay in silence for two hours before I do anything. I leave my Two hours? Two hours because I can, you know? I try to stay as quiet as I can and alone as I can. I have that luxury of being alone for two hours every morning. Now, are you getting up and doing stuff? Like, are you making yeah. your coffee? You're eating breakfast? You're just choosing tea. not to engage with your phone Completely. and talk to anyone? Or, yeah, just complete silence, just relaxing. Mm -hmm. No email, no texting, no nothing. No TV, no reading. Nothing. Or is reading part of it? No, nothing. Reading Amazing. Could be, reading could be. I just don't. I just try to just be. What about, are you a journaler? Not so consistent. I mean, I'm, I'm always researching and writing and I've got stacks of notebooks, but for journaling, no, not so much. 
And I feel incredible. I always think it's amazing when people do, and I think it's so helpful. I don't. I just can't. I'm not consistent with it. Me neither. But you and I are a lot alike in some ways, except I can't read people's charts at all. Um, (laughs) Have other specialties. Um, If you had extra hundred dollars, how would you spend it? Ooh, good one. God, I love traveling so much, and being here in Europe, I can travel for a hundred. Ugh. So cheap. Oh my God, you could because you could get on a train and go somewhere. Mm -hmm. Where would your next destination be? I don't know. I, I've been craving the south of Spain. I've been craving to go to... I did um, lose my virginity there just to bring it full circle. <laughs> what a carita. I haven't been yet. <laughs> There's a little there. sign. Right. Or even to the north, to the beaches. Best. Yeah. I mean, that whole country is amazing. What is your perfect day? Oh, traveling, waking up, having an amazing meal, uh, traveling and seeing new things, connecting Absolutely. Anytime I can see something new and travel, I'm obsessed. Are you a vegetarian? No. Do you, also, you're in Spain. It's hard to be a vegetarian in Spain. Completely. But, you know, I grew up like uh, pretty much vegan by choice with no sugar for most of my life. And I remember being at a restaurant once salivating, literally. Like, I need to try. I need wheat. I need something. Um, so, although I respect people who are, I don't follow that, but I make sure that I know where I'm getting my food and that it's, you know. You grew up vegan by choice? Mm-hmm. No sugar. And no sugar by choice. Right. So like you were allowed, like growing up, you were allowed to have sweets. Whatever. And stuff. Mm-hmm. When did you make that choice? When I was like seven years old. Wow. I, just, I never wanted anything. No soda. I still don't drink any soda. Um, I have tea and coffee sometimes, mostly just water. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. But I mean, that's really interesting because, you know, some study, you and I have talked about separately, but talk about here. Some people say like, no, meat affects like your connection if you're trying to go deep. Right. But, but I don't know. But then the Dalai Lama also but, is. But, <laughs> but it's true. And if it has chemicals, where's the meat coming from? What's the state of the animal? You know, I tend right. to take that. That's very Hindi. But um, I also take the Native American belief. It's like, you need to know that the meat's pure. You need to know that it was treated well. So where is it coming from? First of all, how, how often are you eating meat? And um, I think if you have that relationship or that knowledge, you can consume meat consciously in some way. And that's what I try to do. And I hardly ever eat meat, you know? But for me, it, it feels right. And I also grew up with a lot of Native American traditions just by, by having acquaintances that were Native American, you know? This has been awesome. Thank you. Everybody come. We're going to do her personal practice. So don't leave. It's going to be a guided meditation to connect you to the elements. Um, And please sign up for her workshop, which will be at La Brea on October 22nd, which is a Tuesday in the evening. So make sure you sign up because it's going to be amazing. And I can't wait for you to be here. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah. Thanks for being here. So now we're going to do Rose's personal practice, which is a guided meditation to connect you to the elements. All right. Thank you. So sit comfortably, close your eyes, tune into your breath, taking a few deep breaths up through your body and hold the breath suspended. 
and release back down your body through the bottoms of your feet. Exhaling. Inhale through the bottoms of your feet all the way up to your heart and suspend the breath. And exhale back through the body, through the bottoms of your feet into the earth. And on the next inhale, inhale from the crown of the head all the way up into the cosmos. Bring the breath into the body, into your head space, down into your heart and suspend the breath. And exhale out of the bottom of your body. Let it move all the way through your feet into the earth. Again, inhale from the crown of your head in the cosmos. Pull the breath in through the top of your head. Suspend the breath in your heart. And exhale through your body. And just observe your breath for a moment and connect. And slowly begin to connect with the bottoms of your feet. Feel a texture and an environment under them. There's no right or wrong way. It's wherever you happen to be in whatever environment. Look down at your feet. And now begin to walk in this environment. Begin to walk forward. And when you get to an open place that feels safe, begin to look around you. Perhaps you want to look up. Perhaps you want to look around you. And notice what you hear, smell, and feel. Maybe you even taste something. And when you're ready, you can explore your environment a little bit more. Or perhaps you want to go back to the same place that you stop and sit down. Take a few minutes. Now go back the place that you started, where you first connected with your feet and the environment under your feet. Deepen your connection to breath. Coming back to the present moment. where you began to connect with the earth and the cosmos through the breath. 
coming back to the here and the now. And when you come out of this meditation, and you can certainly do it longer on your own, this is just a quick preview, but notice what elements show up in your meditation when you're walking, when you connect with your feet. Perhaps you connected with a beach with sand, water, grass, the mountains, the desert. These are all indications of where you are at as elements symbolize states of mind, and also elements that show up in the natal chart. For example, the desert or earth, grass, fertility, an earth sign. Perhaps it was hot, the sun, fire, whether it was water or rain. Water signifies emotion, abundance, and prosperity. Perhaps you felt the air and that was the strongest element in your vision. Perhaps you tasted the sea on the tip of your tongue. Each time you go into this space and into this short meditation, you can also bring other elements into your meditation to create an entire ecosystem, a macrocosm that is a reflection of a microcosm within you, bringing your emotional, physical, spiritual state into wholeness and into balance. And we'll work on this when I'm there in person, and I hope you'll join me. Thank you so much. Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Talks podcast, and join us there. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.